Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in. And today we're joined by Scott Towns. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. And uh, Scott's here to share his testimony with us today. And uh, Scott, if you would just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. My mom and dad, when they got married, my dad was in the service. I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. Mm. But I was raised in Texas, so I kind of claim Texas. Uh, lived there, uh, I guess, till I was fourth, fifth grade. Then from there to Greenville, Tennessee. From there to Raleigh, North Carolina. Then to Virginia. Been here since in Virginia since 1978 or 79. So it's been a while. My life as a kid was kind of a little awkward because my mom and dad divorced when I was two years old, um, and they both got remarried when I was, I think, four or five. And then at some point in time, uh, the visitation for me to go see my dad in Alabama started at eight, eight or nine years old, and I would fly from Houston or Corpus Christi, Texas, to Alabama and visit him for three weeks. I got to see him for three weeks in the year. Uh, So it was kind of an awkward thing as a kid in a divorced home. Thanks for sharing that, Scott. I didn't realize that, but just being, you moved a lot. Yes. You moved a lot, plus um, you were displaced a little bit three weeks out of the year. I mean, I I don't know what that relationship with your dad was like being there those three weeks of the year, but I would think that you would get there and get settled in be time to go home. Yeah, it was very, I mean, over the course of time, I've thought a lot about it because as a kid, being in a divorced home was normal. I didn't mm, know any better. Right. But the dysfunction part was, you know, I would go be one way at my father's and I'd have to be another way at my my mom's. And it just, it created something in me that I did not realize until later on in life, mm-hmm. just how awkward that really was to, yeah. to who I was. Yeah. So it was tough. Yeah, and there's differences between your parents. And I, I remember someone years ago making a comment that they felt like the tug-of-war, um, a knot in the middle of a tug-of-war rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I always felt like I couldn't say anything about my mom mm-hmm. when I was at my dad's. And right. you had to comp- I had to compartmentalize stuff, mm-hmm. and that was something that carried on in, in life. Mm-hmm. And now I've had to try to look at it. Right, yeah. Well, that is, to be able to go back and look at those things and reflect and kind of figure out, man... Where, you know, you've already said that kind of it'll come up occasionally. You have Mm -hmm. to deal with it. And um, so you grew up living in two homes and plus moving a lot. Was there any faith? Did you all go to church at all? Was that anything was a part of your story? Well, where that came in is I went to, as a child, go see my father. And he was had faith. My grandmother had had faith. Mm -hmm. The thing with that was, you know, it was a, a Baptist church. It was kind of, uh, as a kid, I thought fire and brimstone. It was, it was mm-hmm. really uh, intense. But I did. I went and I got saved at eight years old, eight or nine years old. Uh, but I came back home and my mom and stepfather didn't really uh, have faith. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just kind of, yeah, and then just kind of dropped off. Mm-hmm. Uh the next time I had an opportunity was when I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. I had a wrestling coach who was a really good guy. 
And he would come before school and pick me up and take me to a classroom and we would have Bible studies and he gave me all mm-hmm. the navigator stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point in time, I was 15 or 16 years old and I started doing some really not so good things. Mm-hmm. So it was a up and then a failure, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what it seems like has transpired a, a lot of my life. Uh, faith-wise, next time I had an opportunity was I had uh, gotten out of the service and I was building swimming pools and the crew that I was with, there was two guys that were just on fire for the Lord. Mm. And I had that opportunity, but I was still running and drinking and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then I got burned out. Then I met my wife and I thought, mm. oh, this nice little Christian girl is going to help me. Mm-hmm. And it created a lot of angst mm. because I was not ready. Yeah, we got married in 1987, and um, it was just really tough because my wife has a lot of faith, and I think for me it was a lot of, um, I wasn't getting it, and it was just so frustrating to me, and I had somebody encouraging me, but I had a sense of failure at every mm. turn, um, and it, you know, after a while you just get to the point where I, uh, I'm just going to walk through this life, I can't, I'm not getting it. And I did, I did that for uh, 30-something years. Um, and then I had an incident uh, with a family member that rocked my world. Um, and I had been and done so many other things that were bad, per se, and not nice to people. But I did something to a family member that really just exploded in my heart. Um, And I think if I can put that in context, all the other times that I tried to surrender and be a Christian, it was either because I thought it was the right thing to do and I was being encouraged by people and I wanted to please them. So it was never something that was completely me. Mm -hmm. And when this happened with a family member, I just completely surrendered. It was nothing anybody told me to do. Uh, I just said, Lord, I can't do any of this. This is all. Mm. It was just a complete surrender, and I can't get over what that meant. Mm. It was something that just blew my mind, really. Um, And since that point, uh, things have radically changed. Mm. Um, My heart's changed. Yeah. Well, uh, Scott, thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable, just telling about, you know, how it was like growing up. To you, it was normal, even though, like you said, it wasn't. You came to learn it wasn't a normal childhood, so to speak. But uh, I think it sounds like God used, would you say, the things in your life or the things that you experienced, whether it be with your parents' situation or the uh tragedy so to speak that happened with a family member to kind of shape who you are now and kind of draw you closer to him and surrender your life to him yes um i think some of the songs i hear on the radio and you know i I feel like it's in a, a truth i see in color people are people and i spent so much of my life internalized i didn't want people to know me because i didn't like me you know, and it's hard to, it was so hard to uh, develop relationships. So, yeah, I, I look at all of that in the past and think it's all worth it. Mm. it it's worth it to be uh, present. 
Well, uh, Scott, you've alluded to the fact that there was this moment in time where you surrendered. And tell us a little bit about that. What happened? You surrendered, and what were your steps? How have you found yourself? How did you get to a place today of having freedom? For me, um, basically really letting the Lord take control of my life and recognizing that my power stinks. Mm. I couldn't do it. As many years as I tried, I couldn't do it. Right. Uh, And knowing that there was deep-seated things in me that I needed to address, that I had denied, that I had put so much uh, shame and mm. it just, I was locked. Yeah. But when that happened, I, I was unlocked and I was free enough to see that I needed, I needed to address things. Right. And the program here at church, the Celebrate Recovery, has been amazing because the processes that you go through, uh, they help traverse those things in mm-hmm. a gentle way. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to be vulnerable, and I think one of the things that strikes me so much about it is that the people are real, and I have lived in a non-real world and seen all the things I thought were facades. Mm. But when you're around people that are genuine, mm-hmm. they're broke, they know they're broke, mm-hmm. and I can relate. These are my people. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it was. It's been so much of a, a heartfelt good thing that I enjoy. I want to come every time it's open. Yes. You mentioned that um, you didn't like who you were, um, that you felt shame of who you were, the the you that you could see that no one else really could see. Right, right. In doing some reading recently, I was reading about the difference between shame and guilt. And guilt is when we have conviction because it's something that we know better than to do. But shame has to do with our identity, mm-hmm. whose we are, who we are in Christ. And I think it's, it's interesting that that shame that we carry, and I've carried my fair share too, that shame causes us to kind of shrink back into this place of isolation where we just, we're all alone with ourselves that it's just not that pretty. Right. And it's miserable. And I think there's a lot of people and maybe people that are listening today that live in that place of shame and they can't see a way out. Yeah. And I think what's, I mean, I thought about it. So many people's stories are so different and mine just happened to be a catastrophic thing that opened my eyes. Mm. And it may not have to be that for somebody else, but to be honest, you know, truth is such a powerful thing. When I saw the truth of my life, knowing that I have to surrender because there's nothing I can do about this. Right. That's a wonderful place to mm-hmm. be. Uh, it's kind of like hitting the rock bottom. Yeah, it you know, is. It's like there's no way to go from here but up. Like that something's got to have something's going to have to happen yeah. here. I mean, I think one of the things that blows my mind is that if if the devil can't get you to do wrong, he'll get you to do right wrong. Mm. And I spent all my life trying to be a Christian, but I did it wrong. Mm. And, you know, and how many times did I hear surrender? I heard it all the time. But when the reality of that happened, it's a brand new ball game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about it. So you come to Celebrate Recovery? 
pretty much every week yep. you're here. And how is it like you've when you looked at that before you came, did you have a certain idea of that's something that you don't need? Is that something you ever thought that <laughs> you wanted to come to? What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I thought those people are broke. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what I figured you, you know, thought. <laughs> that's and, okay. And it's a pride thing. Yeah. You know, and pride got me nowhere. And to, to just go into uh, this opportunity to have the lessons, to go talk with some people that are like-minded, that you can be honest mm-hmm. and say, you know, I'm struggling this week. And these are the things that are bothering me. You have an opportunity to speak and nobody judges. Right. That is powerful. It's a level playing field. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's a place to go and be heard, but no one is trying to tell you what to do to fix it. But So have you built a brotherhood? Do you, you said earlier you really didn't have a lot of friends. Right. Oh. How did Celebrate Recovery change that? <laughs> well, going through... Uh, Week by week, you get to know guys. Then you have an opportunity to go into a step study where it's a little bit more in in depth. Mm -hmm. And you meet every week and you're talking to these fellows. And it's like the people that you normally would not want or feel comfortable associating with, you're sitting right next to. And then you walk out and you share and you talk and you're friends. It's Mm -hmm. the real kind of friendship without any layers of anything else. You find out when you come together that we're just all human. Yeah, absolutely. We can have so many misconceptions, uh, preconceived ideas of people just by looking at them, and we have no idea the hurt they carry, um, what they've been through, Mm -hmm. um, the trials that they've faced. And, uh, yeah, I've watched that. It's one of the things I don't want to miss Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights because I love to be here and just see the relationships form. Like, I love to see someone come in and, you know what, they're down and out, and all of a sudden they start coming in with a smile on their face. And the next thing you know, they have this group of men or women. or It just, you can tell that there is a brotherhood or a sisterhood that mm-hmm. is formed that's deep absolutely um and that's powerful i mean it reminds me that i guess in being in war when you're in the trenches you form bonds mm. and when you're vulnerable you form bonds yeah it's the very thing that the enemy does not want us to do exactly because he knows that we have victory in christ and when we start i believe that and there's a scripture and i can't pull it up right at this moment but there's a scripture that talks about the devil and his angels being chained to darkness. Mm. And that when we speak into the light, we speak these things that are in our minds, the things that, Mm. you know, torment us because we never speak them. When we speak them into the light of another believer, that the enemy loses power over our life. And I think that's one thing about Celebrate Recovery that is so powerful, is that idea that we speak it and the power loses um doesn't have the hold that it did right it really doesn't and it doesn't torment you it's amazing how the lord breaks chains well scott thank you for sharing and talking you know about just building relationships and being willing to be open 
with guys and other people in CR. And uh, I know also that not only are you involved in Celebrate Recovery and, you know, pouring into different guys in your group, but you're also willing to serve in other areas. In fact, me and you serve in a couple areas together. I know you pour into the youth on Sunday nights when you don't have to work, helping lead a small group and, you know, pouring into those guys' lives, you know, so that they don't go through some of the same hard things that you went through, or maybe you're helping relate to some of the hard things they are going through, kind of encouraging them that they can get through it with God's help and that he can help them get through it. So I really appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I'm enjoying it. The scripture that I was um, thinking about, and I wanted to make sure I gave that reference, is Second Peter two four, where it says that the angels that they are pinned and chained to darkness. Um, so as you came out of that place, that dark place, and you began to get involved with celebrate recovery, I think working with the youth came later, right? Yes. Was that did. something? Yeah, it did. That and the, the tech team. One, I, I just I wanted to be a part. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking the other morning, just watch, looking out in the in the congregation, and you see things different. People, you know, uh, these are all Christ's people, mm. and it does something really neat to your heart. Mm-hmm. It did to mine. Yeah. So, what would you have to say to someone that's listening today that would maybe is one of those people and says, you know, that's for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to them about a program like Celebrate Recovery? Which, Celebrate Recovery, it is a 12-step program for anyone who has a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. You have the 12 steps, and then we added to that is the recovery principles out of the Beatitudes, which really adds a, an extra layer to the Celebrate Recovery or 12-step program. What would you say to someone that is listening today and they go, you know what, I'm in that place of shame. I know who I am. I don't really want anybody else to know. But, man, I want freedom like I'm hearing from this guy. What would you say to that man or woman? Uh, I think I've said sometimes when I've had to get up and speak, and, you know, you think about what is my issue. And and I said one time that I had 40 years of stupidity. (laughs) You know, and it's, I think if people realize that they're not alone, there are people that are just like them and in different flavors, but there's an honesty within Celebrate Recovery that is it's welcoming. I mean, it's like we've said before in the meetings. I mean, the big thing is just getting through the door. If mm-hmm. you're in the door, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have the progress that you want in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, you know, there's sometimes I can just, there'll be people that come in and that first night and they'll slip out pretty quickly um, from that large group and not go into a small group. And that's okay. I think that people need to go get involved as they feel comfortable. It's so powerful to see that that person come in maybe the next couple of weeks and stay and then maybe go into a group and then become regular. And um, recently I was walking through the foyer of the church and there's someone that I would see at Celebrate Recovery, and they were walking through the foyer whistling. <laughs> and it was beautiful. I was like, I love that, yeah. that you're walking through the foyer whistling. Like, that was just a whole new level. And, <laughs> man, I don't think that that night when they left that first time, I'm not sure they thought they'd come back. Yeah. But now 
they have joy and they've made connections. And um, you wrote a poem. Yes. Um, and you sent that to me, and I was just kind of blown away. Um, it's very well written, and if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to share that because I think it just really speaks to the heart of what you have experienced, and uh, you have quite a way with words. So. Well, thank you. I, and it's one of those things that the Lord gave this to me because I used, this is not something I do, but I wrote it. Um, I wanted to go from front to back on what life was like. And it's titled, A Soul Redeemed. A soul redeemed, dry and lifeless, desolate and frail. The only evidence of life is the stale, putrid lifeblood seeping through the fissures of silence and isolation. Hopelessness unleashes pain, estrangement and fear in a baked, shut, tormented, dust bowl soul. A hardened, brittle heart shatters completely, screams, then cries out in an abandonment. Humbled and broken, prostrating heart and soul to the king and the king's true reality. Honest desire drives a purge of the stubbornness and the pride of self. Thankful for the gift from God which tethers and binds the whole soul to the advent of Christ within. Self-will dissolves unto God's. Thirst rises for the pouring in of God's mercy and the healing everlasting living water. Every hurt, every hang-up, every habit will be bathed and washed by God's gentleness. Every scar will flower. Every thought will be alive to a garden of hope within. Only in the abiding presence of Jesus is life now rightly related with God, self, and others. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I thought it just so captured the brokenness to the healing. You're really talented, Scott. Thanks for sharing that. And I know not only do you have a talent for writing, but also drawing. I know you drew a cross Mm -hmm. with some scripture, um, and you gave it to my grandfather uh, five or so years ago when he was uh, battling with cancer. And they actually used that sketching on his tombstone uh, that you had given him because it meant so much to him. So... uh, Just thank you for using your talents for Christ. And whether it be writing or drawing or sharing with others, encouraging others, you just uh, are a a willing vessel, so to speak, for Christ. So uh, thank you. You're very, very welcome. You know, I'm going to ask you a question, and you don't need to give any details that you don't want to give. I'm not asking for anything personal. Mm -hmm. But... You know, you talked about that time, that moment when it all shattered. Yeah. And at that moment, I'm going to guess you felt like things were just, maybe you wouldn't be able to put the pieces back together. Um, But God even heals those places. Yeah, he does. Um, He does. Um, And it's one of those things that I'm just amazed by the parallels And one of the parallels that comes to mind is that I wanted to die. Mm. I was done. I'm out of here. This is not any fun anymore. Mm. I keep screwing everything up. But you think of that same parallel, you are supposed to die Mm. to Christ. Yes. But the devil flips that Mm -hmm. and wants you to just die. Yeah. So Christ within, I mean, just raised that desire to live for him. Mm-hmm. Instead of die, die to self, but live for him. Mm-hmm. That is a powerful parallel. And 
so true in today's world when so many people think the way out is just to end it. Yeah, and it's not. It is not at all. It's where life begins if we can surrender. Surrender. Um, surrender to the Lord and, you know, really surrender. It's a scary word for people, but for me, the idea of surrender, idea of holiness, is to have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. Yes. It's relational wholeness and holiness that God asks us to surrender to. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's pretty simple when you put it like that. It's not easy to get there. No, but the Celebrate Recovery helps you get the tools if you have issues that you can't get past. Right. And that's what has, has been a, a, a boon for me. And, you know, I've been, like Celebrate Recovery has been tremendous in, in some healing for me in the last couple, you know, recent years. Like, we all have things that when we were young, um, a lot of times, not always, our brokenness doesn't always come when we're young, but it can. Mm-hmm. And if those things aren't dealt with, um, there's a lot of misery in life until we can come to that place of surrender and a place where we can give it to the Lord. And we have to have community around us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both important. Well, Scott, you have shared uh, a lot of your testimony with us today and also uh, how he's using you to minister to others through your brokenness. Um, What else would you like to share with us about your testimony that you haven't shared with us already? It's just kind of a a work in progress because I really asked the Lord to bring things to mind. And it was very much on my heart today knowing I was going to do this. I don't want stories. I want something that comes out of me that helps somebody, triggers a thought, gives them a hope. Uh, People are not uh, alone. Mm. They may want to be alone, but they really don't want to be alone. And there's so much life within this church, within the CR program. Step out. Just be uncomfortable for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know I was. I've I was in this church for years and was a wallflower. But once you make that decision, face the things that you need to surrender to. And the main thing is surrender to Christ mm-hmm. and surrender the junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's life-giving. And I think the other thing that I see come out of Celebrate Recovery is a heart of gratitude that you want to give back. You're not serving because you feel like you should but because you desire to. Yeah. You want to make a difference in the ministry. Um, you want to be um, a witness, and you want to be useful in the body of Christ. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I know that I, I wasted my 40 years in the wilderness. I mm. want to be alive for the mm. latter part of my life, be engaged, have relationships. I mean, my family. <laughs> I mean, I ignored them for years, but I, they are priority and getting to know them where I, I didn't do so well before. You know, and just a note um, as we close today. Yesterday I was in the foyer, and you and your wife walked in, and I stood there and watched you all walk in sanctuary together. I'll cry. <laughs> There's love. I can't put into words the joy that were on your all's faces. And just the, it wasn't a, 
I'm going to meander in to the sanctuary of the Lord. (laughs) It was, we're going to the sanctuary together. And it was beautiful. Well, thank you. It it feels beautiful. Good. And uh, Scott, I'd also uh, like to encourage you and let you know that you've done a great job uh, raising your kids. I know I had the privilege of having your son, Joe, for six or seven years as one of his small group leaders. And uh, I believe he's studying ministry now at Eastern Nazarene College. He's a freshman there. So uh, just uh, the people around you are are proof of the light that you're shining uh, in this world. So uh, it's a great encouragement. Thank you. Thank you, Grayson. Thank you for uh, listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Scott Town's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.